Hey guys, welcome to the next installment of the Musical Movements podcast stroke videocast. I'm your host, Mr. Vish, and normally we've got DJs um, on the show and I'm talking to them about all sorts of things. But today I've got a very special guest. I've got Nishma here with us. Um, and Nishma, you've been in the industry the same sort of time as me, roughly. But um, yeah. yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay. Um, I'm actually really excited to be here today. So oh, yeah. it'll be um, great to kind of yeah talk about our experience, actually, because it has been a really long time, about 10, 10 years, just over 10 years now. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a long, long time. You've been through a bit of a roller coaster. And before we did jump into it, first of all, I told myself, I told myself that I want to somehow make you pick up your glass. So I'm going to make you do that today. <laughs> what are you drinking today? I think it's a lychee juice, but I mean, yeah. By the way, it's a Monday, it's a Monday afternoon now. It was Monday morning and we woke up with the espresso martini. Well, I did. Uh, the best form of coffee and now I've got a spritz of some sort. So um, yeah, yeah, we're sitting in Hay Bartender. Um, check them out, Hay Bartender, beverage boutique. Um, so yeah, we're sitting in the lovely bar. Best place to be on a Monday morning. So yeah. Uh, but Nishma, talking about your journey a little bit. Now, you started off with Doves and Peacocks. I want to take you back a little bit and just explain to us a little bit about your journey and why you shifted from Doves and Peacocks to where you are today. Yeah, so Doves and Peacocks was a stationing company and we used to do all these like weird and wacky things trying to bring in uh, different parts of people's personality, basically, and create like stationery that was bespoke to them um and I did that gosh up until 2019 I actually had my twin daughters and um I think at that point I I'd kind of done so many weddings because as you know every wedding season is always just packed and having uh done it for about seven years I'd done so many weddings I'd seen so many weddings um and then I just I think for me I just got to a point where I loved what I was doing, but I just wanted to do something a bit different and just do something um, that was really going to help people, but in a very different way. And then come 2020, I had this idea, actually, because my sister got married in 2019 and we're a family of three girls. So she was the last one that got married and she was so stressed out planning her wedding that I just thought, God, like it's mad how there is nowhere for brides to come together like they are quite stressed when they're planning a wedding there's just so much to do um but there's nowhere for them to actually talk to each other or relate and you know we're a family of three girls so you think we'd all be able to help each other but we were so much at different points in our life that and the wedding industry changes so much as the years go on that actually what we could say to my sister wasn't very consoling at all because she was like, well, I'm going through this, not you guys aren't. And um, and so that stuck with me. And I really wanted to create a safe space where brides could come together, like cross-reference who they're using, you know, talk to each other. And I and then obviously I was busy with my twin daughters, so nothing really happened. And then the pandemic hit. And I kept thinking to myself, oh my God, like if this is my sister she would be losing her mind right now, not knowing what to do with her wedding plans. But, and I kept thinking everyone that has a wedding planner at least has um, somebody that can help them, you know, like find some sanity in the madness kind of thing. Whereas um, everyone that doesn't use a wedding planner, which, you know, a lot of people don't still in the industry, you know, I thought, God, I don't know what they're doing. So anyway, I thought I'm gonna give this a go. 
So I created the Asian Bride Sorority and literally, oh gosh, like within about eight months, we had like over a thousand brides in there. Um, there was like, you know, it was honestly in a month, we had like 200 posts, like it blew up and brides loved it. They made friendships from it. And so, yeah, so a lot has changed actually while I've been in the industry. And um, what I was doing is totally different to what I'm doing now. Um, but I really love it. I really love it. Brilliant. You created a lot of noise with it because um, I know when you first started it off and like it was like a magnet and loads of people were attracting to it because because they could relate to, to what you were doing. And they were like, we haven't got a place to go to. This is finally our platform to, to express our concerns. What what Because like COVID is something that no one's ever gone through. No. Like a pandemic, no one's gone through it. No one's been in a situation where the weddings have to be postponed. And it's... It's a strange place to be in without support. And it can be a lonely industry without people around you. So what you created is, is that support mechanism there. And I think that's, that's brilliant. But when I, the name itself, Asian Bride Sorority, <laughs> we were talking about this before. And when I think of sorority, I think of that episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will Smith's like kind of dangling in the air in a cage and they've tied him up. And there's a, a women's sorority group um, and that's that's what it stood for, like women empowerment. Is that the kind of thing you're looking to go for? Or, or? <laughs> yeah, sort of. I mean, we don't tie up any grooms. We don't encourage anyone to tie up any grooms or any male family member, actually. Yeah. Um, but um, it is, it is. It's. Do you know what? For me, I grew up in a in a family of sisters. Like the three of us are very close, and um, we talk about everything with each other. Our um husbands joke that they sort of say to us like can't you make a decision without consulting your sisters like gee you know and but we're that close and I think I there's an element of that kind of sisterhood spirit that I wanted to bring to the Asian bride sorority which I genuinely feel that has um which I love that's like the bit that I love about it is that everyone is so genuine they all help each other out if somebody's struggling with family politics because weddings like you probably imagine like uh, where, you know um they you know they do create family politics weddings do um it could be not being able to find a supplier or it might be that they can't find a supplier in their budget or it could be it could be anything anything like even little things like oh what are you guys doing for your shoes on the day or and or something like what kind of bra are you wearing on the day? Like, you know, even just things like that. Like, they can ask each other without worrying about anyone else seeing it because it's just their own their own people, like, people that relate to them. Yeah. So I think that's, like, the best part of it. So, yes, it is, it is all a bit, like, you know, sisterhood vibes. Everyone helps each other. And it's very, you know, they all kind of make friends with each other. And they all meet up outside of the... The kind of online space um, a lot of them have made friends with each other invited each other to their receptions even though they've never met before so yeah it's like a lot of friendships been born out of it brilliant i mean there's something that we don't really talk about in the industry and you on the face of it you kind of see that as performers i'm a dj what you do in the industry as well um we're quite busy behind the scenes mm -hmm. but in your personal life you're a mother of two kids now and um what do you do to switch off? Because you, you're constantly doing events, weddings. Um, you've got a massive group of support network of, of women. Um, you're constantly on the go. But how do you switch off from all this? What do you do in your spare time to turn off from weddings? 
Do you know what? I'll be honest. My husband's really good at like making us watch movies and shows. And I think honestly, like that is my like go-to to switch off because if I'm not like watching something or watching a new show or something, I do get sucked down the rabbit hole. Oh, there's just one more thing to do. Or there's just, it's just this email or it's just this social media person. And it, and so if I'm not looking after the twins, I'm doing something like that. So I think for me, the escape is watching like all the new shows. Like I think with the pandemic here, you must've been the same where you ended up having so much time all of a sudden to like catch up on every show and, movie under the sun so I think that's kind of stayed like I end up watching yeah I mean what do you tend to do so it's, now that you mentioned that the whole pandemic itself changed the way I do things like I, yeah I, I started to look at my personal time completely differently before I was like oh, I've got to message back this client I've got to do this I've got to got to got to send an email that's only one email and I constantly keep doing things I've got to go out for a meeting and your personal life takes a knock and before yeah. you know it, like a few years have gone gone by. And one thing I looked into was meditation and then relaxing and learning to switch off, switch off my phone, put it to one side. I don't have to reply back to that email straight away. And I realized that that was really important. And I find I was, I was able to kind of connect with myself a lot more and sound spiritual, but it was, it was a lot more relaxing. And I found I changed my way of working and I find, I find I'm a lot more calmer now. That's really interesting you say that actually because I'm really bad at doing that. So like we have a bit of a running joke in my household where it's like I feel like I have to like my SLA is like a 30 second like thing window. Like I have to like I have to reply instantly and I, I'm awful at that because I it means that I don't ever switch off. Like I'm always feeling like, oh, this, I just need to get back to this person or, or, you know. And I don't know if that stems from the fact that because I've got the twins, I think I, I'm worried I'll forget if I leave it. Because if I get busy with them or busy with day-to-day stuff that I'll just forget. I don't know. I, I'm really bad at doing that, actually. You've got, um, like, a big list of things that you have to go through. And you, obviously, being a mother, it's top of it. And then, yeah. you, then you've got the, the bride sorority group. And then you've got all these other bits and elements that you try and combine. It's difficult. So I can, I can totally imagine that. Um, but within the sorority, have you got any particular issues, like common issues that brides come up in and go, right, I've got this issue. And you're like, oh dealt with that so many times and that's, that's been a really common issue what would you say that is yeah I think it do you know what it's evolved over the last couple of years because I think the pandemic all of a sudden made everyone very um uh very uh conscious of like checking their contracts and looking at what they were signing you know whereas I think before that we would all just go oh yeah fine print yeah just sign it and be done with it and I think that was one thing that a lot of brides have now got a lot more savvy about, like checking the contracts have the right things in them. We do have like a like a bi-monthly like legal session where anyone can ask any questions that so then that way they feel a little bit more reassured that what they're going into is is okay. But um so I think that's one thing that comes up a lot. Like, oh, is this this is what, you know. I'm, I'm signing does that sound about right you know that kind of thing so people feel a bit more reassured and I think the other thing is a lot of the time is um wedding budgets I think comes up a lot because um I think given you know everyone's cost of living has gone up um 
everything is so much more expensive post-pandemic and post-Brexit and everything. So I think as suppliers, and I've been there, I was a, well, I kind of still am, I guess, a wedding supplier, but I've been there on the on the side of like being a traditional wedding supplier, essentially. And so, you know, like I know printing costs have gone up, for instance, if I'm still doing stationery, paper costs have gone up. So everything's gone up. And I feel like the one concern that brides constantly have in ABS is their wedding budget and the escalating of their wedding budget. So as much as um, people think like, oh, but you know, you would have saved for years for a wedding. I think, yes, they've saved years for a wedding. But I think when you actually have to part with money, not in its hundreds, but in its thousands, there's an element of, it's not that they don't want to be spending the money. Of course, they, it's their big day. They want to spend the money. They want the best wedding ever. But I think the anxiety they feel when, for some of them when they're parting with money in thousands of pounds, when, let's be honest, like the only other time you would do that is if you're buying a car or a house, um, is, is a daunting feeling. So I think as suppliers in the industry, I think it's like even more important now than ever to be reassuring their clients that, you know, we have your back, we will give you the best service. You know, we we are great at our jobs, we're professionals, you know, your, your, your money is well spent basically is what I would say, because I think people forget that we, we live in a world where um, we see that money being, uh, the transactions going all the time like if you see what I mean like people book people parting with their money we have to you know I mean I guess if you guys like even with uh, DJs from a production point of view you know things cost a lot to get printed bars all of that you know the cost of printing them is a lot and in general so we're a lot more used to those figures with the multiple zeros behind it but like your average bride and, and the groom in some ways as well like they're not used to fighting with that kind of level of money. So it's not the fact that they don't want to, it's the fact that it's a scary thought. Like, oh, you know, there's so much talk about, oh my God, my bank balance is just depleting. Like, yeah, because you don't know that. It's, it's difficult as, as a couple, like, it's the first time you ever, most of the time, it's the first time you're getting married. You don't know how much things cost. Yeah. You just don't know. And when, when someone asks you, what's, what's your budget? You wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't know how much a, a DJ costs how much a florist would cost, how much decor would cost, until you go through the process itself. So when they ask you what's your budget, you're like, well, what should it be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that, what you've hit is like, and I think I didn't, when I was in the industry as a stationery provider, and I would say, what's your budget? I didn't actually realize how much, in some ways, that's a really unhelpful question to ask a couple because. They honestly don't know. And it's not the fact they don't want to give you a budget. They just don't even know what figure to say. Like, because they either feel like they're going to say something that's going to make them sound silly, or they're going to say something that's way beyond what that person charges and they are going to get ripped off. Do you see what I mean? And it's not that as industry people, you know, anyone wants to do that. But in most cases, these couples have only just met that supplier, so they don't know how they work, right? So I think, uh, again, like you said, like if you don't know, you don't know. So I think sometimes it's probably more helpful for suppliers to be a bit more like forthcoming with their information and be like, do you know what? It's fine. If you don't know what your budget is, you know, this is your scale. You could have this and you're starting at this price. You can have this and this will give you all of this. 
And then they can go away and go, oh, actually, we sit somewhere here on the sliding scale. I think, again, that makes it so much more helpful. And I think brides will be more, you know, willing to then open up and have that conversation, I think, with suppliers a bit more. It's a good point that you touched on there because um, now you've, you've flipped it over and you've, you're seeing it from a bride's perspective. From being a supplier and seeing it from that one perspective, you're now seeing it from their perspective. So would you say there's any tips or anything that you would say to a supplier to say, right, this is something that you should be mindful of? Like I've seen a lot of brides that are scared of this or that don't know about this. Would you suggest anything to suppliers to be mindful of? Yeah, I think... Just where you can, don't um, dismiss a client completely if they can't tell you what their budget is because they genuinely are not, they just don't know in most cases. And I think in, uh, and, and I think in some ways, um, and I'm sure a lot of suppliers do this anyway, so it, you know, it, it's probably something that a lot of people are watching this and going, well, we do that, <laughs> you know. But I think it's taking the time to educate uh, brides on where their money is going as well because I had this conversation actually with a photographer um, a couple of months ago and I said that for them, they may think you're just taking the photos and it's going to get put into an album and, yes, they're going to, um, you know, but what they don't realize as soon as that wedding's over, the only thing they have left is their photos and their videos. So as soon as, and you probably found this when you got married, as soon as the wedding was over, um, you were so eager to see the photos. Like, you're just like, I just want to see the memories from what just happened, basically. And I think, like, t- talking through the couples that this is what you're paying for, you know, this this the memories, it's this, it's the, it's the emotional connection that you'll have with your pictures. I think that is a better sale than saying, going straight in with, like, these are my packages. <laughs> like, take it or leave it kind of thing. Like yeah, One of the things that really touched me when I went through the whole process of getting married myself is that everything was a blur. It was so mm-hmm. quick and so fast. You think about a reception, you've got seven hours or six hours. So you're like, yes, plenty of time. The six, seven hours in the grand scheme of things, it flies so quickly. And I didn't realise that until I went through it myself. So the only memories you do have are those photographs and the videos. And like, I can't remember doing that, but that, that was a, a cool moment. And you look back to that moment, you're like, yeah, that reminds me of certain things. So, yeah, I went through that process and I was like, I totally understand and can relate to that. But seeing it from a DJ booth perspective, I never really realised that the bride and group go through all this until we actually go through it ourselves. So... It's good that you, you're doing things behind the scenes and, and that you're you're now seeing it from another perspective as well. So is there anything strange that a bride has come up to you and gone, you know what, I'm, I'm facing this situation and you've been like, I'm surprised I've never come across that before. Is there anything that comes to mind? God, that's a good question, actually. I think, do you know what? The thing that comes up, which I'm always really shocked about, is when uh, brides have brought up the issues that they face with their mother-in-laws. And I know that sounds so cliche. And I think the thing that shocks me the most now is with this new generation, essentially, where the moms are a lot younger. In some cases, they may have been born and brought up here. In some cases, okay, they moved over when they were young, but they've been, you know, in, in majority uh, you know their cases that you know we've lived in this society for a long time and and the um sometimes the lack of acceptance of their daughter-in-law leading up to wedding is still really shocks me some of them 
find it so stressful or they can't make a decision because the their in-laws are being quite, um, uh, you know, I guess forceful about what they want. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, necessarily the brides are completely innocent to this. Obviously, you know, they've been born and brought up here in some of those cases. You know, they have careers, you know, well accomplished in what they've done. So they obviously have quite a strong opinion of what they want. So they, I guess in some instances, maybe they butt heads. But um, I've had, re I've heard some really sad stories of where the in-laws have given brides ultimatums days before the weddings. Um to the point where I've had to have Zoom calls with some of them. And it's not, you know, this is not, uh, this is just me saying, like, they will come to me and they're just so upset. And I'm like, okay, do you know what? Let's just jump on a Zoom call and we'll just talk about it. If it helps, it helps kind of thing. Um, because I really do feel for some of them and for a lot of the brides. I know them for the best part of a year. So I get to know them. I get to know what makes them tick, what their personalities are. Bizarrely, just even through a online forum space, like I do get to know a lot of them. So I find it really sad when I hear their stories and their side of what's happening and the predicament they're in to the point where they're like wondering what is life after the wedding going to be like. And it's it's really sad. So I think that's, for me, has probably been the most shocking and that where I thought, oh, well, you know, everyone's modernizing and it's all very, you know, it must be easier now. And, you know, there's no kind of mother-in-law, daughter-in-law in those expectations. There's actually more than I imagined there wow. is still. And I think that's a bit sad. There's a movie about this. Um, Jennifer Lopez was starring in it ages ago. So I thought this was an, I thought this was an old issue, but it seems like it's quite relevant to this day and age. It was called Monster-in-Law, actually. I don't know if you've seen it before. No, But it's a I comedy, haven't. but... Um, but now that you mention it, it's quite a serious topic. It's not, you know, the comedy brings it to light, I guess. But it's a relevant issue, even to this day and age, which is quite shocking to know. Yeah, and I know I do really feel for them because they're like, they can either talk to their family members, which obviously can escalate because they're trying to protect their side of the family from necessarily hearing everything that's happening on the other side of the family or vice versa. And it's quite hard, really. And so I think the whole ABS platform just gives them a bit of a neutral space to kind of go look this is what's happening in my life right now like anyone else experiencing this because it just gives them that um i don't know i guess that that comfort to know they're not the only ones and they can kind of hopefully tackle it together with somebody else that may be going through a similar thing which you wouldn't normally have the chance to have, like speak to someone in the normal world so yeah, I think it is a serious topic and I don't know what the way around it is. I think all I can just, I think, say is, you know, you have to go into a marriage knowing that it is the joining of two families. And in some instances, it will or will not work. But as long as you as husband and wife have each other's back and you are there to support each other no matter what, you know, I think that's the only way you can kind of get through it and know that the marriage is, is the right one you're going into, knowing that you are the half there to support you, I think, is my, my yeah. takeaway it just it. it just shows the importance of you setting up the Asian Brides mm. Royalty because you've created a platform where they can come to, a neutral platform, and nobody would judge them, um, and they can, they can express what, what they're going through without having to worry about what other people think. So um, it's, it's so important, I think. And um, how do people actually subscribe to your network? 
So um, we are currently, we've got like a 14-day free trial, so they can give it a go and see if it's for them. Because I appreciate like it's not necessarily for everyone or they might be thinking, oh, is this actually even going to help me? Like I've done it all or I've booked everything big. But um, yeah, you just go to um, theasianbridesorority.com and you can register there. And yeah, and that's it. And then you get sent all the details and we're there on hand. Um, me and my community manager, Sam. And yeah, just it, it's a really lovely space though. Most of the time, everyone that joins, no one ever wants to leave, even after their wedding. So that's quite funny. So yeah, Nishma, going back to your own wedding day, um, backtracking to that special day, was there any situation that you went through um, that you were surprised about? Or they were like, wow, didn't expect this? Do you know what? There were a few things that happened. Like, it was the first wedding in our family. And we hadn't had a wedding for like, I don't know, like 30 odd years or something in our family. So I was the first in my family. And I wasn't in the industry back then. So I didn't have no inside contacts or anything like that. So I I think for me, it was just the sheer amount of stuff to do. Like, I literally would cross one thing off the top of the list and like add another 10 things to the bottom of the list. And I thought this list just does not end to the point where like, the morning of like my Santa Comando, like I know different people call it different things. Like I was still sat there in the room before I had to arrive after my parents did their thing. I was like there on my laptop still doing emails. And I thought, God, like my wedding's in two days or three days. Like what is going on? Or why am I still sat here doing emails? But I think, so I think that like the whole, like no matter how organized you are, no matter how on it you are, there's always stuff to do leading up to the wedding. Like, it just does not end. So I think that was what surprised me the most. But now I tell my brides that that's what's going to happen so that at least they're not, you know, shocked or think they're bad planners. It's just the way it is. Um, and then I think the other thing was, it's just all the little things that you kind of mess up on that no one really recognises and you stress so much to make everything perfect, but actually no one notices anything. Like we forgot the groom's gift at home. My parents bought him a watch. We forgot it at home in the cupboard. We didn't even remember to take it with us. So he got no gift. I got all the gold. He got nothing on the day. And then um, the other thing was all oh, the coach company decided they didn't communicate that they had a cutoff time. So we had to... Um, take um so basically his side of the family had to leave a bit earlier because otherwise the coach was going to leave they were like we're, we're going to leave if you don't come it was like okay so that happened um so yeah there's all these little oh, and then four weeks before my wedding or five weeks before my wedding um the company that was going to do my manda and my photography and stuff cancelled so I actually had to like scramble to find a new mundup. Which it worked out in the end. I ended up getting the mundup I wanted and stuff. But yeah, so that just moral of the story is like things don't go to plan, but you just have to roll with it, I think. There's a lot of little things that you can't change. Like we, we made an entrance and we completely forgot to pop the champagne bottle because we, we got caught up dancing. We left, I don't know why like, nobody ever does that because you've got a cake there. And we're like, we didn't think about the cake. Looking back at the video, we're like, we were so close to the cake, it was going to be knocked over. But um, we just got caught up dancing to our own entrance. We enjoyed it so much that we got caught up. We kind of shoved the bottle to one side and just danced around the cake. And, and you just forget about certain things. It just goes out of your mind because there's so much happening. But the main thing that you touched on there is to just simply go with the flow. Yeah, you can't. You just can't stress about things. Although, having said that, on the, the, the bottle thing, my one tip would be to everybody... 
is have a friend or somebody pre-take off all the wrapper off the bottle and twist the thing so it's just ready to come off so that when a groom comes in and he's going to pop the uh, bottle it's not such a faff and it's also not such a long time to get everything off I always like getting the bride and groom to sort of down their drinks when they're doing their little toast I love I love making them do that so uh, I'll get that reaction after yeah <laughs> but yeah no, it's, it's an important tip that is it actually and um, also I wanted to ask you about your um, about Asian brides sorority and, and um, if it wasn't for the COVID pandemic would you have created that? I think I would have. I think the um, uptake maybe would have been slower. I do think um, also maybe the direction it would have gone in would have been a bit different. I think the pandemic meant that I got to help lots of brides through what was a really, really hard year for a lot of them. Have You know, some, like you know, had to postpone like three times, four times, five times. Um, and some of them who joined in 2020 have only just got married, which is like crazy. Um, so I think it would have ch- it would have maybe changed and evolved slightly differently. But I think I would have created it just maybe a bit slower. So um, maybe I wouldn't have been in 2020. Maybe I would have waited till my girls were a bit bigger, like my twins. Um, God knows, but I don't know. But I'm, I'm glad I did because it helped so many people. Yeah. Um, and it still is. So I really feel quite proud of it. And if you weren't in the events industry, I always ask this question, but what would you see yourself doing if you were never in the events industry? Oh God, do you know what? I think I'd be in advertising still. So I, before I joined the wedding industry, I had a whole career in advertising. Um, and I think I'd still be there. Because I got I left the advertising industry because Doves and Peacocks got so busy. Um, yeah, otherwise I, I was I would have still been in that industry. Yeah. So would you go back to it after after the events industry life after it? Or? Do you know what? Probably not, because advertising's a work hard, play hard kind of um, environment. It's a very young industry. It may have changed now, but I remember it just wasn't something that a lot of women could juggle with motherhood as well. Um, it was quite, like I said, a lot could have changed now, um, but it was it was quite a, it was an industry where you, yeah, you literally worked really hard. So if you were on a pitch, you would be there till three in the morning. Um, and if you, you know, and yeah, so it's just, it was just a very young industry. So I loved it while I was in it. I got to work on some amazing brands, like massive brands, like big airlines, you know, net phone, mobile phone network. I, I worked on so many big brands, but, um, and I think it's probably given me the experience to do what I do now, but with a very level head because I've had a very different um, experience in a previous life, it feels like. Oh, brilliant. So it all ties in. Yeah. So what's life looking like for Nishma after Asian Brides Sorority? I know that you've got a long way to go still, but, um, <laughs> but after that, what would you see yourself doing? Oh, God. Do you know what? I would hope that the Asian Brides Sorority can literally go global because I've had lots of requests from people in America and stuff that they've said, oh, would you create one here? So I, I'd love to be able to do that. But then I guess oversee it and see that, you know, it's helping people all over the world. That would be my dream. Um, 
and maybe then I'll be sat on some somewhere else, really sunny, like on a beach somewhere, maybe. Well, we all love irrespective movement, so keep keep doing what you're doing. And um, where can people find you? Uh, yes. Where can people find Asian Priority? So you can find me on Instagram. So and I do share lots of tips on my Instagram profile as well. So it's um, just Asian Pride Sorority. If you search for it, it'll come up. And then you can also find me at asianbridesorority.com, which is where you can kind of sign up for your free trial and give it a go. Right, thank you so much, Nishma. And we've got some pizza waiting for you over there as well once you've finished this show. Uh, but yeah, thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure and hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was actually really nice to talk about it. I've never had the opportunity to talk about it in this way, so it's been really nice. So thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Make sure you please follow Nishma at Asian Bride Sorority and follow us up on the socials as well at Musical Movements. Uh, hey, bartender and beverage boutique and we'll see you in the next show.